Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics show with Reese Tiefertiller, joined by Mike Clay. Uh, this podcast started on Reese's book uh, by the same name. And so Mike's been generous with his time for us. Even when we've been traveling, Mike's been generous. So uh, Mike, I, I would say Mike Clay with ESPN, but everybody knows Mike Clay, don't they? <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I, I love hopping on here and, and helping uh, helping you guys out here and, and build this show up because, uh, you know, we that's, that's where I started too, right? I mean, uh, you know, I was just uh, a random accountant in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, and, you know, just – found a love for numbers and sports and specifically football and just went to GoDaddy and made my own blog and started my own podcast and kind of built from there. And that was just a little over 10 years ago. So uh, things happen fast when, when you work hard and in, in this industry and, and, you know, make good friends and, and get some breaks along the way. So you've actually met the young lad. And so he's 14 I now. I think that was five years ago. 2017. All right. Three years ago. He keeps me <laughs> honest. And uh, so, you, you know, we play a little trivia. We won't do this to you this time unless uh, – do you have any Eagles trivia for him off the top of your head? Okay. Before Nick Foles, who was the last quarterback to – who was the quarterback the last time the Eagles won a championship? Oh, I even know that one. Oh, man. The last time they won the championship, is that uh, – was it Jurgensen? I think it was Norm. Hmm. Oh, it was Norm okay? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good one. Norm Van Brocklin. So, yeah, I there you go. Telling, oh. I remember telling him that. All right, Mike, I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to tee up. So, he's 14. He did a little writing. You started 10 years ago in this. There are a lot of people chomping at the bit, trying to get into the fantasy football world. But I don't see very much good work from the analytics crowd and the up-and-coming like I do the the other segments. What – I don't mean that as a slide at anybody. I just mean there are a lot of analysts in this industry. How would you uh, how would you recommend somebody get started? And you said you started your own blog, but is there any, on analytics though? It's a little different take, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. When analytics has come a long way in the past decade, now you mentioned a lot. A lot of people aren't doing that uh, from the fantasy standpoint, but they are from the NFL standpoint. And the reason for that is that. Uh, we have next-gen stats, right? The NFL has the trackers now, and they're get, getting us all new data, and we're, we're quickly catching up to baseball, you know, in terms of knowing exactly what kind of precise routes players are running, where they're on the field, how much they're playing, how fast they're going. Uh, so it seems crazy to suggest, but we are getting there. You know, we're able to track almost everything, and we're, but we're just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of analyzing that data, right? We're charting it, but we're just starting to analyze it. So it's a great time to be young. It's a great time to be coming into the industry. Um, I was lucky because when I came in, look, I'm not the smartest guy by any means, but I came in at the right time and, and went to pro football focus at the right time when they had all that data coming in that no one was processing. And I was able to dive in and get kind of get ahead of stuff that some people are just learning now. Um, but people way smarter than me are processing it and coming away with conclusions that are changing the game, literally. These people are showing up, doing this work, publishing it, and teams are hiring them. And they're, they're changing the way teams are thinking. And that's uh, yeah, going to make teams smarter. And, you know, those that really put the time in and know what they're doing and study this stuff 
uh, are going to be able to change fantasy as well and, and make us smarter. In fact, fantasy, as I'm sure you know, Jeff, well, is getting harder because people, it's harder to find sleepers because everyone is, is learning what it, you know, what you need to be looking at to find good players and, and which players to stay away from, whether it's touchdown regression or average depth of target, you know, that you can go on and on. Uh, people are getting smarter. So uh, definitely an exciting time to be getting in, but uh, it's going to take a lot of work. You know, it takes a lot of work. You have to be married to it. You have to love it. If you don't love it and it, it gets boring for you and it feels like a job, it's not for you. I'm with you. And so the reason I didn't mean that as a slight I to the analytical guys out there, I just mean there's probably a thousand people that, that claim to be fancy analysts and 20 or 40 or 50 or analytical. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. It's a different slant. I was telling him yesterday, I think it was yesterday, about your your road through PFF. All right, what do you got for him? You're the uh, projection guy for ESPN. What's your thought process going through those? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, that's the question I get asked the most. And I'll tell you what, my answer is always, how much time do you have? Because I can talk and talk and talk about this because there's a lot to it. Uh, in fact, right now I'm looking at what I got here. I got five spreadsheets open that all kind of work together, right? Um, so the way I, probably the easiest way to uh, to explain it is kind of like the, the way the government is, right? You have different branches of the government, right? And they, they kind of meet in the middle to create what is our, what is our, our uh, government in the U.S. Um, and that's kind of how it works, right? You have a layer of uh, team, coach, league, coordinator, trends, all that sort of stuff kind of pushes uh, you know, by, per play data, touchdowns, uh, pass rate, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's one branch. Another branch is the player level, whether, whether, uh, and there's really kind of two parts to that. One is looking at efficiency, right? Projecting out catch rate and yards per target. And, you know, uh, can go on and on the, the rate stack categories that we need uh, for each position. And then there's the other one, which is kind of the subjective part, which is the inputs of projected target share and carry share and dropback share and, and, uh, following beat reporter reports, which is super important. We're taping this on the first day of padded uh, training camps and there's a lot going on and things are happening and players are injured and players are getting cut and, and signed. And uh, this guy, player A is running with the first team. That stuff constantly affects these numbers. That's why I keep projections basically year round because I'm tweaking based on this new information and, and trans, the transaction wire. Uh, that's a constant process. But anyway, uh, that's just three aspects of it. At the end of the day, you know, you basically hit refresh and, and look at the new updated projections and, and go from there. So uh, again, it's a, a very tedious, long, basically a, something that's always open on my computer and I'm always updating and, and uh, it's, it, there's a lot to it. <laughs> the, the other piece to that is, this is my, uh, just because I've been doing this, Mike, since 07, long time, is that everybody has these strong takes, very strong takes, knowing they're right and we're fighting over the percentage that you're right. You know, like, are you 47% probability or are you 72? You know what I mean? And there's so much subjective. You mentioned like the talent level and the coordinator and all this. There is some reading of the tea leaves, right? No question about it. No question about it. And look, we're, like I said, we're still pretty new in terms of understanding the NFL, how it, how it's meant to be understand, right? There's a lot of narratives going way back that some coaches still believe that are incorrect, right? It's like establishing the run is the popular one now, which is proven to be kind of ridiculous. And like, you, you always punt on fourth down. Remember you guys have played Madden, you know, like they always 
had commentary in there. If you ever went for it on fourth down, you just started getting reamed by John Madden, right? Like now that's laughable, you know, like, of course you, sh- you should be going for it on fourth down more often. So uh, you can go on and on with that stuff. So we're still kind of uh, learning those things and, and we're going to get better. There's still a lot of room for that. Um, but, you know, something I often say is that like when you're doing rankings or projections or making dis- dis- when it comes to decision making with football, Uh, certainly in fantasy is you have to know going in, you're going to be wrong, right? I mean, you can't, you know, in week one, there's going to be a random running back that finishes RB4 that you ranked 67th. You can't just say, okay, I know that information, right? I know a player is going to be out of nowhere, finish, finish fourth and just throw, throw a a dart at Gus Edwards and start Gus Edwards in fantasy or rank him top five because that's your guy you think has a shot to do that. You can't do that. You have to know you're going to be wrong going in play the odds. And if you play the odds over a long sample, you're going to have one of the best hit rates in the industry. Exactly. And that's where you are. And I, I give you all the kudos. You've worked for it. I just was saying that Reese hears me get on that soapbox. There's these people with these really strong takes. And I'm like, I'm not going to engage or argue on Twitter with somebody that we're fighting over percentage points of probability. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you do absolutely see that you'll see someone who, for example, I love Zach Moss, right? He's my favorite player in this year's draft. I'm a huge fan of him, but I'm not going to rank him ahead of Devin Singletary this year, right? Like could he outscore him? Absolutely. But are the odds in favor of that? Probably not. And we don't even know if Zach Moss is going to be good for sure. I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance of that, but we don't know with 100% certainty, but you're right. Some people, especially if you're new in the industry, that's a mistake you see is people start to get really angry and defensive and they think that they can't miss. And I was guilty of this too but I came in and, and you really get defensive of that player and think, you know, everything because you got a couple things, right. Uh, and then it's, it, this sport, this game will get you quickly. You will be made to look like a fool in a hurry if you act like that. So you just have to understand uh, that you're right. Being right. 60% of the time is, is pretty darn good. Yeah. What do you got for me? Uh, you mentioned um, one of your branches of projections about the player's stats. What are the ones that roll over best year over year? Stickiest is what yeah. you mean. What are the most predictable? Yep. And there are not, if you've read the research uh, out there again from people smarter than me, uh, you know, there are not many of them, right? It's, it's very tough. Um, but one of them that's probably a bit of a game changer, it's not quite out there yet. You'll see it on, on Monday Night Football once in a while. On Sunday Night Football, you'll see it. Uh, and certainly you're seeing it more in the industry is average depth of throw, average depth of target, air yards, however you want to look at it. Uh, that was a game changer. Uh, you know, I, I came up, I, I discovered depth as a random column that PFF was charting when I first started there again, about, about eight or nine years ago. And I thought I, you know, that's interesting, right? Because this is, this is information about a player's route when, when he's not, when he did not catch the ball. I mean, think about that before a dot, all we had was, when the player caught the ball, how many yards he got, that's it. Like, we, you know, we, we didn't have any information on what happened on those other plays. Um, so I thought that was uh, really interesting. And it turns out, you know, it's a lot more predictable year to year. You can learn a lot about a player, uh, their role, uh, what kind of sort of stats they're going to put up on a per play basis the next year, who, what guys maybe underperformed or overperformed, some of them unlucky, some of them just not good at football. Uh, so I think that is one that's, that's really key. That's kind of a game changer. Um, and I also like to utilize yards after contact per attempt. That one's tough because uh, a lot of people chart their own yak, but PFF has a different one. ESPN sports and information charts it, uh, different outlets chart it. So it makes it a little tricky to navigate, but 
Uh, I've had some success finding gems at running back in past years, like Jordan Howard and Chris Carson and loved Kareem Hunt. Now, now I mentioned Zach Moss, you know, uh, there's, it's been a, it's been something that enforced missed tackles has been kind of important from a running back standpoint. Right. And, uh, those all are guys I like this year more than the masses. I like Kareem Hunt. I like Jordan Howard more than the masses. You know, I like Carson more than the masses, um, you know, and even throwing Carlos Hyde in that situation just by mm-hmm. – I'm a value guy, right? Because you and I are – I'm a dynasty guy. So I'm, I'm always, like, trying to gauge how does the market view a player versus how do I feel a player is and try to find the inconsistencies – positive or negative and and um, you know make uh, make appropriate actions Reese what else do you have for him well we're going to switch topics a little bit back go to your hometown Eagles and do you think Carson Wentz can stay healthy he proved it last year but then he got knocked out by a questionable hit by a Jadavion Clowney yeah, I, I definitely think that his durability concerns are overstated. Um, I mean, like you said, he made it through the whole season. He was one of the few to play, what, 99-plus percent of their of their snaps until the playoffs, right? Had they missed the playoffs, no one would have said a word. They would have said, oh, I made it healthy. But, you know, come on, he got, you know, he got a, he got a concussion last year. What, what are you going to do about that? I mean, I'm not going to knock somebody for getting a cu- concussion. Now, if you're talking tons of concussions, maybe then there's a little bit more of a concern. That's a different topic. But uh, nonetheless, I think uh, – Wentz had some bad luck in there. We've seen that before. We, Jeff, you know there's a laundry list of players who were considered injury red flags their first two, three years, and then never missed another game. I mean, think about Matt Stafford. He was one of the biggest ones, and he didn't miss a game until last season. He went almost his you know, whole career uh, not missing another game after that or that slow start. So, um, And, you know, Frank Gore being another one kind of in that, in that department. So, uh, no, not, not concerned about that. Um, but at the very minimum, they, they do have a backup plan now. If you're, in a, if you're in a dynasty league and you have Carson Wentz, not a bad idea to spend like a fourth-round rookie pick on Jalen Hurts and get him on your bench. I like that move a lot. And you can get him there. He's, he's cheap. Yep. And so the guy that came to mind when you said it was fragile Fred Taylor, you mm-hmm. know, a guy that showed durability late in his career and everybody had given up on him or put a discount on him. Um, so I'm going to steal one of Reese's questions. You mentioned uh, Jalen Hurts. Let's say Wentz Mintz misses game three. Is Sudfeld or Hurts going to start that game? Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in the next co- the next couple of weeks. I think they would like uh, Sudfeld to be the two, and maybe they, they mix in Hurts in a Taysom Hill sort of role for a couple plays a game, maybe. Not sure if they're going to do that. It's going to be how – it's going to depend how good he does in, in training camp here. So – um, I don't know that answer, but I'll tell you what, it's not a question who I'd want on my bench in a two quarterback league or a dynasty league. Obviously I want Hurts. I don't think Sudfeld is going to be a difference maker. Uh, we know Hurts can do a ton of damage with his legs and, and I like him too. I, I like him a lot. He was super efficient last season as not just a rusher where he was dominant. He was terrific as a passer as well. And I don't think that should be ignored, especially in the tough conference that he plays in. So or played in, excuse me. So uh, I like Hurts a lot, and I think that it would be a matter of time. If, if Wentz went down and it was long-term, they might give Sudfeld a start or two. It's not going to be long until Hurts is in there. I will, I've said this on this podcast before. I think Lincoln Riley gets less credit, and Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts get too much credit. I, you look at what uh, Riley did to turn around each of those three careers, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But Reese, yeah. go ahead. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yep, we just have a couple questions left for you. We appreciate your time, Mike. And sure, sure. Busiest time of the year for all of us. 
Doug Peterson came out in the past 24 hours and said that Miles Sanders is the guy. Do you believe him, or do you think Bill signs uh, someone like Devontae Freeman just to help uh, Miles Sanders as this is going to be his first year in a big, big role besides his year, one of his years at Penn State? You know what? It won't surprise me if they sign a big back. I don't think that has anything to do with Miles Sanders. I mean, maybe it costs them the occasional goal line carry or between the tackles, short yardage carry. That's fine. You know, that's okay. Keep the guy upright. Uh, I don't think that's a big deal. They kind of have a void on the roster in the carry department right now. Uh, I have Sanders projected for 242 carries and uh, 43 catches in 14 games. So I'm certainly buying into him being their clear feature back. But I have Boston Scott carrying the ball a little bit more than I'm comfortable with 96 times. I think that they need, uh, you know, someone else probably to, to uh, add some depth. And, and again, they don't have really much size there unless you're talking uh, a guy like Corey Clement. You remember him, old friend Corey, Corey Clement there. Michael Warren is a guy I liked in this year's draft that went on draft that he has some size. So I think they could survive how they are. But again, if they sign a bigger back, good, good for us. If, 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 if Sanders' ADP goes down, that's great news for us. We'll take the discount. Exactly, but them chasing Hyde and others, you know, sniffing around McCoy kind of give us an in, a clue in that, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. But again, if those guys would not play much of a role, I mean, it's it's Sanders' backfield. I think we saw that down the stretch last season. We, we know he's, he's a very talented player, so that just would not concern me too much. Like I said, I already have him projected as a, you know, a top 10 back, and that is with uh, you know, Boston Scott and Corey Clement and these guys handling a chunk of carries because I'm not just going to give Sanders 85% of the carries because there's no one else there. You know, you still have to be kind of reasonable. So uh, he had 40, uh, 45% he averaged last year. I'm at 58%. That's closer to where he was down the stretch last season, but 58, not uh, an enormous number by any means. Yeah. And I, I was going to agree with you. Just, I see these projections with 310 carries and I was like, I, not at that price. Uh, yeah. So anyway, what, what do you have? This is our last question. We appreciate Mike for jumping on, taking a, a step away from his spreadsheets of projections and everything else going on. And hope, Mike, that, you know, a couple months out when things are settled a little bit more that you'll give us another, you know, 20, 30 minutes. But Reese, what, Reese what else you got? To close us out. No pressure. Down the stretch we go. Who will be the top fancy wide receiver for the Eagles this year out of with Jalen, Jalen Reger being a rookie, D Jacks coming back from injury, and Jeffrey also coming back off the pup list. Wow. I was hoping for a layup there to finish up. I no such no such thing. Uh man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh I have I have Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson uh just outside my top fifty receivers and right next to each other. So it's it's just a matter of who you can get in your draft. Like Rager right now is going in the 11th round, Jackson in the 12th. Uh, those are really the only two guys on my radar. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, obviously likely to miss six weeks. So you don't need to bother drafting him right now, but uh, I'm fine with either of those guys. I think they're both fine dart throws in the double digit rounds. In fact, I think they're, uh, they're very good investments at that point. I'm not a huge Rager fan when he was coming into the draft, uh, but you know, wide receiver evaluations are very tough on, on rookies. You know, I, I like sticking with running backs. I'm good at running backs, receivers, uh, who knows, you know. So he's going to be interesting because his efficiency was very poor last season. Part of that was the quarterback play. 
but also he had a lot of drops, he had fumbles, he had mistakes. So um, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how he transitions. But uh, he should play a pretty big role in Philadelphia this season. And again, Deshaun, remember, we only saw him for one full game last season. He had a, what, about 150 yards and two touchdowns with Carson Wentz. It's his only game with Wentz. So uh, I have high expectations for him. I have been getting him a lot in the double-digit rounds. Especially in Dynasty, he's a steal. And even if he gives you – you own these deep dynasties and he's your last flex and he scored double digit PPR fancy points five out of the seven games that you start him. That's awesome, right? You got it. So Mike, we appreciate your time. We want to be judicious with it. And hopefully, uh, you know, when the weather gets cooler, we, we know a little bit more things will slow down a little bit that you'll grace us again. And so thank you once again for uh, joining us. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll do it again. Have a great one.